Hello, my friends. This is Alicia from EvolvePortland.com. And today I have a really important topic and something that I've been wanting to talk to you guys about for quite a while now. Um, this is the topic of bystander intervention. And this is a really great time to talk about bystander intervention because it was just a one year ago this month when we had a really horrible, tragic scenario happen here in Portland on the MAX train where um, an aggressive man actually ended up murdering several people who were attempting bystander intervention. And it was really tragic and um, it it brings a lot of fear into those of us who might be in a situation where we witness something happening and we don't know what to do. So I just wanted to talk about that. I'm in a class right now called Intro to Nonviolent, um, Intro to Nonviolence at Portland State University. And we had a couple classes where we talked about um, bystander intervention. So I have some information here that I wanted to share and just get it out there because I feel like it's something that we don't really talk about often. <clears throat> so, there was a case back in 1964 where there was a woman named Kitty Genovese who was murdered in, um, in her apartment complex, like basically in the window. And there were, let me see, it says there were 30, uh, where is it? Something like 38 people witnessed this situation happening. Um, People heard it happening, people saw it happening, but everybody assumed that somebody else was calling the police or that somebody else was taking care of it. And it, uh, they actually named this syndrome or this effect after that situation called, uh, it's called bystander effect. And that's the idea that when we see something happening out in public somewhere, we assume that somebody else is going to take care of it. We assume that somebody else is going to call the police or, you know, do what needs to be done. And so that, if nothing else, is the main reason for this podcast is just to say if you see something happening, you cannot assume that somebody else is going to be taking care of it or be on it. You are responsible for doing something. So you have to do something when you see somebody being bullied, when you see something happening um, that's racist or that's, you know, derogatory in some way. We are out to protect each other and we need to have zero tolerance for this type of behavior. And so you have to do something. Now, a lot of us are women, you know, and a lot of us don't want to put ourselves in a risky situation, especially if we have our children with us or whatever. But there are things that can be done other than, you know, just trying to get in the way of some bully. So remember, you have a phone. Most of us have cell phones. You can call the police. You can call somebody. If there are other people around, you can try and delegate, you know, to something else. Tell, tell a trusted person or tell a bigger person or tell a bouncer or tell the host of a party or you know, tell somebody that may be willing to intervene on your behalf about what is happening. So it's this idea of letting people know that there's something going on and not just being quiet about it. 
And that is something that's simple and it's something that we take for granted that we have the option of doing. So not just watching someone get hurt or be abused, but getting somebody to intervene for you if you're not wanting to intervene. Now, there's a couple ways of intervening. We can directly, you know, address a situation. So this brings me to the next point, which is something that I had never thought of until I took the class. If you see something happening and there's a scary person attacking, um, you know, a, a victim, we don't necessarily want to be dealing with that scary, aggressive person, right? So it's not about getting that person to stop. It's about getting to the victim and supporting them, finding out what do they need? What If they're being targeted, are they okay? Do they want some assistance? Do they need some help? Um, you know, you also have the option of telling the person who's escalating the situation that they are scaring people and, you know, to think about others. But when people are really angry or in a rage, they don't care. That's the whole point of their action. And so in that case, we want to turn to the person who is being targeted and figure out how we can support them and what they need and, you know, keep them surrounded, keep them supported. Um... So there is another thing that you can do, and that's just to distract the person who's targeting the person who's being targeted, right? So like do something really stupid, spill your drink, spill your food, um, ask the person for directions, say something really stupid, um, you know, or come up and just ask the person who's being targeted if they want to join you for coffee or if they want to leave, if they want to go get a drink, if they want to get out of there. Um, maybe telling the person who is escalating that their car is getting towed or something that you can say to really like break their attention for a moment so that they can kind of get out of this stream of consciousness that they're in. Now, um, lastly, the other thing that we talked about, which I found really, really interesting is this, um, that we all respond to triggers in different ways. And so it's interesting to think about how do you respond to triggers? If something triggering is happening, how do you respond? What is it that you do? And I just wanted to read some of these that are listed on this paper we got. Um, because uh, it's interesting to think about how you respond. And then it's also great to have options of other ways of responding that we might not think of because we're habitual creatures, right? So... Um, there is oftentimes where we're feeling psychologically threatened and it's like we're being triggered, you know, in ways that we don't even really feel triggered or threatened. And so this is something to look at. So one of the options and something that a lot of people do is just physically leave or remove themselves from a triggering situation. So that's great, right? But if there's a triggering situation happening to somebody else, and you just leave, then who's there to like try to de-escalate the situation or to help do something. So leaving is an option, but like calling the police or letting somebody else know what is happening prior to leaving is probably a good idea. A lot of us use avoidance. We avoid future encounters with that person that's targeting us, or we withdraw emotionally from people or situations that trigger us. Is that something that you do? Make a note of it. It's good to know if you're if you practice avoidance. Another option is silence. Um, some of us, when we get upset by something that's triggering, we 
just get silent. We don't say or do anything. Is that you? Is that something that you do? And how does that serve you? Um, another option is uh, release. So we notice a trigger, but we do not take it in. We choose to let it go and we don't feel the need to respond. And now that's a really common one, I think, where it's like, okay, we're just going to let it go. And is that something that you do? Is it just make a mental note of it? The next option is to attack. So do you, are you a person that'll respond with an intention to hurt or offend whoever it is that's triggered you? Is that the route you tend to take? Another option is internalization. Do you internalize that trigger and then believe it to be true? Um, And if that is you, that's something to be aware of and to look at. Why are you internalizing it and why are you believing it to be true? Another option is rationalization. We convince ourselves that we misinterpret the trigger, that the intention was not to hurt us, or that we tell ourselves that we are overreacting so that we can avoid saying anything about the trigger. So we're totally rationalizing the situation and making it up in our head as to why that person said or did what they did to us and why that's okay and how it's fine and how it's not a big deal. Is that something that you practice and is that serving you? Um, another option is confusion. We feel upset, but are not clear about why we feel that way. We know we feel angry, hurt, or offended. We just don't know what to say about it. So are you a person that feels confused when things happen? And that's, you know, these are all things you might want to write down, like write it down, journal about it, discover it. Why do you do that? What is it? Like, what is your, you know, top three responses? I've got a couple more here. Shock. We are caught off guard. We are unprepared to be triggered by the person or the situation, and we have a difficult time responding. Um, Naming. If we identify what is upsetting us to the triggering person or the organization, is that something that you do? Sometimes naming can be very helpful, right? Do you discuss? Um, We name the trigger and invite discussion about it with the triggering person or organization. Do you confront? We name the trigger and demand that the offending behavior or policy be changed. So confronting can be a great, a great uh, option. It's not something that everybody feels comfortable doing, but is that, is that a, a route you tend to take and how does it serve you? Another one is surprise. We respond to the trigger in an unexpected way. For example, we react with constructive humor that names the trigger but makes people laugh. Is that, is that a strategy that you use? Maybe. Um, another is to strategize. We work with others to develop a pragmatic or political intervention that addresses the trigger in a larger context. So that can be a very productive way of responding, right? To strategize. Another option is misinterpretation where we are feeling on guard and expect to be triggered so that we misinterpret something someone says and are triggered by our misinterpretation rather than what they actually said. So are you a person who often feels attacked or triggered um, or targeted? And so in that way, because it's something that's common for you or because you're misinterpreting the intentions of others, are you actually being triggered by your own misinterpretations of what's really going on. That is something really big to be looking at, right? And to put words to. Um, And then the last one here is discretion. 
says, because of dynamics in this situation, power differences, risks of physical violence or retribution, for example, we decide that it is not in our best interest to respond to the trigger at that time, but choose to address the trigger in some other way at another time. So is that something that you tend to do? It's helpful to know, right? And these are some things you can think about. These are some discussion questions that were shared with us. Um, asking which of these responses you most typically use when you're triggered. And as a targeted group member, which ones do you use? As an advantaged group, group member. Um, and what responses would you like to add to your repertoire? Another thing to look at is what um, responses do you use now and would like to stop using or use more selectively? So that's another question to look at. And also what blocks you from responding to triggers in a way that feels more effective? So these are just some things to think about and to talk about. I find that this topic is really important. We had a situation come up with one of the women in my sisterhood group where she actually witnessed something happening and she spoke up and stopped it from happening, which made me, um, when she shared her story, I really thought about that a lot. Like, wow, if I saw that, would I be brave enough to step up? What would I do? And I've been taking the max to school a lot and I hear stories about the max. And so I'm constantly thinking about it when I'm going to school, like, what would I do if I saw something happening? So these are just some ideas and this is just some encouragement to you to please stand up for what you believe in. If you see something that's happening that's wrong, do something about it. Step up. We need to have zero tolerance for bullying, um, for, you know, anything that's not that's not in the highest good of our community and of the people around us. It's up to us and we would want people to do the same for our children, if they were in a situation that wasn't safe or productive, we would want them to be protected in the same way. And so being a bystander and not doing anything is still doing something and it's, it's just not helpful. So if you have any questions, I'd love to have a discussion about this. Please feel free to email me info at evolveportland.com. You can send me messages. You can find me on Facebook if you search EvolvePortland.com with no spaces. You can find me on Instagram at EvolvePortland. I would love to hear from you. Please feel free to subscribe if you're listening on iTunes. Um, I appreciate any reviews that you'd like to, to leave me. And until the next time, I look forward to talking to you all again. I hope you're all doing well. We're getting through the springtime and this intense uh, energy and I'll, I'll be recording some more podcasts about some more of my more on the woo-woo side of things and the energy side of things but I just wanted to get this out there because I feel called to and it feels really important to me okay I look forward to seeing you all out there in the real world take care I'm sending big love bye